This is the Organizational Health Advantage Podcast with Keith Hadley and James Felton, Principal Consultants at Table Group. They're in the business of coaching leaders to build strategic focus and cultural alignment that leads to amazing results. This podcast is for leaders who are looking to increase productivity and morale while decreasing politics, confusion, and unwanted turnover. Welcome to the Org Health Advantage. All right, and we're back with the Org Health Advantage podcast, and I'm joined, as always, with my good friend and colleague, Keith Hadley. Keith, how are you doing? I'm doing great, James. It's it's great to be here, and we're just a couple of principal consultants at the table group trying to advance some big ideas with simple thoughts, simple ideas that will help leaders, and I'm, I'm really excited about today's topic. Yeah, and so today we wanted to talk about how we get other people involved in this work at a client outside of the executive team, right? Like that is so important. We're trying to help evolve and transform an organization. And that work generally starts with the executive team, almost like probably 95% of the time it starts there. And then we want to get other people involved in this work to help it cascade through the organization, right? Totally. Yeah. And and it's funny, James, you say like this work and you and I both know exactly what we mean by this work, but what, what do we mean by this work? Yeah. This work would be around the four disciplines, mastering the four disciplines of organizational health. The first discipline would be cohesive leadership teams. Uh, Again, that starts with the executive team, but goes throughout because most organizations have lots of leadership teams. And then discipline two would be creating clarity on, we call them the six critical questions, but leadership teams are always creating clarity and making decisions. Yep. Discipline three would be over-communicating what's important. Yeah, You know, we say people need to hear things seven times and leaders need to be chief reminding officers. And then the fourth discipline is around reinforcing the clarity in your human systems, like how we hire people, how we onboard, do performance reviews, coach, maybe part ways, maybe promote. Uh, But all of that needs to be a reflection of the clarity. What we've said is culturally and strategically important to the organization. Totally, totally. And it occurred to me like this topic today could be seen as sort of like a, an organizational development, like an OD, you know, nerd deep dive. And that's kind of true. We're going to talk a little bit about org design. Uh, but, but this is like, Hey, if we've identified a strategy or a top priority and we're trying to shift the entire organization to actually accomplishing something, like how do we get that done? So, you know, it, 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 it is just as much about strategy prioritization roles the actual execution of uh, big initiatives like it has to be done through people yes i think yeah. um it's too bad we're not on video for this if, if we had a simple graphic i think of like stephen covey's the you know the three concentric circles where you have a, a center in the middle uh, like a bullseye in the middle mm-hmm. uh, and then a next circle out and a next circle out so picture those three rings there's there's I had a thought on this is that in the center is the executive team. And if I'm an executive team member, there's a lot that I can control. Like I can control just making a decision at the stroke of a pen. I can bring a new policy into existence. But the next circle out is like the circle of influence, which is like we actually have to make that stuff happen or influence. We don't have direct control anymore, but we need to influence the people that are doing the hard work. And, And the people in that circle of influence are these leadership 
teams, these next level leadership teams. That's kind of how I picture that. And maybe the, the final circle out is a circle of concern. And maybe that's where we put like all employees or our customers or our competitors. Like we are trying to control certain decisions to influence certain actions and behaviors that will ultimately address the the needs and the concerns of our employees, customers, or, you know, win against competitors. So, so that let's have that, those three circles in our minds as we walk through these models. Yeah. And I, I, I love that. And I think it's important to think about this for two reasons and, and you might add a third or a fourth. Um, the first is because we need to get more people included in this work to help right. transform an organization. It can't just be the executives who know about it. Right. You know, right. Um, yep. So we need that. And then, it's also really hard as an executive to constantly communicate what's important. And so we need next level leaders to help us with that yeah. and to like not only what's important, but why it's important and how we execute it. And so it's we need to get we need to leverage next level leaders yeah. in this yeah. work. Yeah. Sure. Let, I, I actually want to stay in this thread for a little bit. Like, what is the problem we're trying to solve with next level leadership? Um, here's another one scale. You know, we've worked yeah. with a lot of companies that are, that are kind of earlier stage startups, you know, maybe series A, series B, but now they're like really scaling and we see the fatigue and the difficulty of the executive team having to be involved in every decision. So we're like, right. Hey, you need, you need to empower the people closest to the action to make better decisions. I was like, how, how, how do we do that? Like which people? What's the criteria? If we're going to teach decision-making, who do we teach that to? And so, you know, the, the, the more a company scales, the more people you actually have involved in that second tier, they're decision-makers, they're leaders, but they're one or two steps removed from the executive team. Right, right. And Keith, I think we would say that there are probably three ways of going about this, right? Yeah, like, yeah. And so why don't you outline those three ways? Like, What are those three different groups that we could spend time with? Yeah, yeah. So I, I this is a really simple model, and we have helped so many clients kind of define their next level leadership. So we've seen three different ways that this can really work well. So the first, the first way, and, and by the way, which way you choose depends a lot just on your environment. These are three good ways. I want to make that really clear. Um, the first good way to define an extended leadership team is just to simply look at the intact teams that report up to the executive team, right? So it's like super clear cut. Like every executive leads a team. You have your, your product team, your engineering team, your marketing team, your human resources team, your finance team, your ops team, your sales team. You know, depending on your environment, uh, those teams will be defined differently. But essentially, let's define that next circle out as all of the individuals that report directly to an executive. That's great. Second way is a slight nuance. It's not the intact teams, but it's everybody at the next layer that has a certain job title or job function. So all people managers is a pretty typical way to do it. Or in a larger organization, it might be director level and above, you know, vice president and above. In really big organizations with, you know, 10,000, 20,000 people, it might be, you know, everybody in the exec team is a C-suite member, a chief of something. And then everybody at the next layer is a senior vice president or a vice president. So, you know, by title or by right. role. 
Um, and the third way, which I, maybe we've done more than any other, is what we call a key influencer group. And these would be um, not necessarily defined by their title or even defined by their reporting relationship. But these it's the it's the circle of people who probably are leaders, but they're certainly leaders in influence, not just in title. And the, the key on that last one, the key influencers one, is they need to be positive key influencers. You know, oh, yeah. some, sometimes uh, executives will say, like, you know, well, this person has a lot of influence. Yeah. And it, okay, um, is it positive or is it kind of gossipy? And they go, oh, no, it's gossipy. But if we could win them over, it's like, right. but what message does that send right. when right. we're including them as a key influencer? Yeah, you know? yeah. So, so I want to look at each of these groups and talk about pros and cons, but uh, yeah, for sure. But it, you and I have been in the room, and we we uh, we've had executive teams say, "Hey, we're intrigued by this key influencer. Like, how do you how do you decide who they are? How do you form them?" And it, we've almost taken joy in saying, "You know what? We got five minutes. Let's just do it right now." Yeah. And it always works. Like everybody, write down the names of the people in your in your area that you feel are the most influential, positive influence, as you said. And we'll just grab a flip chart. We'll take literally five, 10 minutes and we'll put these names up on the board. And then we'll kind of open it to discussion and say, you know, is there any, any uh, problem that we see with any of these names? And often, often we do cross a couple out as they see like, Hey, I wouldn't put so-and-so up there. Why not? Okay. You know, back and forth discussion. Okay, good. Yeah, that's probably fair. Let's not put them up there. Or, hey, I'm surprised you didn't put so-and-so. And so, usually we end up with a, I don't know, 15, 20 names. Yeah. And say, a- you know, a company of under a thousand, if it's, or even if it's a bigger company, it's still, you want to keep this key influencer group to, you know, maybe 30 max. Yeah. Of like, these are the next 30 leaders who are going to help you carry or advance your, your, your culture, your strategy, et cetera. So yeah. that's a great way to inform that one. The other two are kind of by definition already formed. Right. Like the next level leadership teams, you know, or that report to the executives, those are clearly already yeah. identified. Yeah. The beauty yeah. of, the beauty of doing that work is then we get to see the executives as leaders of people, yep. you know, we yep. normally get to see them as, uh, you know, as team members and reporting up to the CEO or president. And now when we work with those executives on and their teams, we get to see their leadership prowess and their capabilities. And, yeah. and so I was just in a session yesterday with a team and, and actually this was the second time I had been with this sub team. It was a product team. And I actually noticed a lot of, advancement in that executive's leadership capabilities. And, yeah. and it was really great to see his his personal evolution. Yeah. Yeah. I will say that we have often worked with groups that have a bit of a hybrid where it might be all of the intact teams plus a couple of key influencers or mm-hmm. everybody at a you know people management level and above and a couple of key influencers. Um, b- before we leave the list of those three options, let me just do a couple of pros and cons. Sure. Uh, just to, just to kind of alert love the to dis- critical thinking. So, if you do the intact teams, that's great. Just be aware that uh, well, it's great because it's it's complete. You don't have to defend it to anybody. Like, yep, here's all of our direct reports. Here's where there's a potential downside to it is that you might have say uh, an HR team that that is only one layer deep, and so you have like a benefits administrator, uh, organizational learning and development leader somebody in charge of HR ops or employee relations, but then over on the sales side, 
you've got like an SVP of the West region, SVP of the East, SVP yeah. of Asia, SVP of Europe. And they are leaders of maybe dozens or hundreds of sales reps. And, and so you have in the room some entry level contributors and some pretty senior leaders just based on the depth chart of that function. So right. that's that. I don't know if there's, I don't know if you see any other kind of obvious pro or con with that. Oh, another obvious pro, I, I interrupted myself, <laughs> is you can do some really interesting things because you have all, you know, everybody in that room is in an intact team. So you could really kind of lean into like building trust around the five behaviors mm -hmm. of a team because these are teams that need to function as a team. So that's another pro. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I actually love this model. And when we say working with those intact teams, even though yesterday I was with a team, just that team, there are often times when we'll do a session with multiple intact teams. Yep. And so you're getting a lot of bang for your buck in that day, you know, reaching out to a lot of people. Um, but they get to be at their own table in their own little mini team session. We're up in the front going over all the models for everybody, but then we could split them off and have individual team discussions. And so yeah. that's a really great way to do it. Yeah, we, we often call that a team in our, and that is, that's exactly. a great rollout of organizational health is to all of the intact teams that, you know, report up to the executive team. And yeah, yeah th that is really powerful. And maybe I think that's probably the best option to do like an initial rollout to a large group of people. Yep. But it maybe starts to break down in terms of like, well, how would you use that team over the long haul? I think that's where there's some additional benefits to maybe going to option two, which is everybody who is a people leader, everybody yeah. who's director level and above. So and what do you see as the pros and cons there? Yeah, the pro I see there is that you're in a room of equals or of you know organizational equals. It's like everybody in here has people management responsibility or mm -hmm. everybody here has you know strategic decision making authority or everybody mm -hmm. in the room maybe is you know very deeply involved in a P&L. Um and so you can do some managerial training, uh you can do some leadership training, leadership development. Um, you can do a deep dive into strategy. I just did one last week with the client where the executive team invited the 14 next level leaders into a smaller conference room. So there's about 20 people in the room now. And we just did a deep dive, two hour discussion of business strategy. And the whole point was to say, hey, here's our strategy. Here's how we differentiate ourselves. Here's the kind of decisions we're making related to our product. Here's how that affects sales. And, and they just, it was, it was a, it was a real like discussion to involve the, this, you know, everybody in that room had significant decision-making authority. So it, it, that was a real pro. That was a real pro. Now, maybe the only con is kind of, you don't have intact teams in the room. And so you can't really explore like the five behaviors model. You can teach that as behavioral um, thinking or like even working genius. You're not really going to do a team map with that group. So it's not really an intact team. It's sort of a high-functioning, highly connected, cross-functional strategy or execution group. Yeah, I see it there as like you, we're, we're probably teaching the models, but it's a little bit harder to live them in the session, yeah. you know, whereas with those intact teams, you know, they're able to do some vulnerability there. Yeah. They're able to think about discussions that weren't as like the best conflict <laughs> examples, you know, that yeah. they've had. And, um, and so we could, we could kind of work through the, the five behaviors 
with an intact team just a little bit better than we could with those those next level leader or the the people leaders. Yeah, yeah. So the the maybe the pro and the con of the next. Oh, and then one here's a con is like not everybody in that room was like really on board. I mean, th- there were some right. very vocal critics that needed to be sort of won over and that can be productive, but it can also be sort of unproductive. Like if they had gone with option three and brought in their key influencers, it would have probably been a smaller group. Yeah. And there, and, and there would have been some people they would have included that were individual contributors, but like significant individual contributors to the business. So, yeah. So that last group is kind of like, Hey, uh, we think of the rule of thirds, you know, there's, there's a group of people in your organization, they're fans, they're on board, they're helping you achieve your goals. There's a group of detractors who are, no matter what you say, they're going to be dissatisfied. And so by assembling your key influencers, you like invite them into the inner circle and you say, hey, here's what we're trying to do. We want to invite you into something this exec team has been working on, whether that's Here's our here's our new vision for the future. Uh, here's a, a new way that we we're thinking about our strategy, or here's our product roadmap, or here's here's the way that we're thinking about our core values and how we hire. And we wanted you to hear about it, and we're bringing you in because we want you to help us advance this. You know that that's the maybe the biggest pro of that key influencer group mm-hmm. is that it's like an energizing, um, like all right, let's we're going to scale this thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, and we're leveraging like their knowledge and their energy in and maybe even their galvanizing with other people. Right. Right. Oh, that's that's a good point. The key influencer is probably more of a galvanizing group where yeah. the other one may have been maybe that first one is more of like a tenacity group. Like, hey, we brought in all the teams. So then we got there's a lot of stuff we have to get done yep. and we are now going to announce it to you. Yep. The second group is like, we need your help forming strategy because you guys are our leaders. The third one is like, we need to help galvanize. Yeah. So we could could definitely go deeper there. And what we've seen with clients that use that key influencers group is they'll actually have formalized meetings with them either quarterly or twice a year. And, and we really see that group as being like the, the last, you know, the last voice the executives hear from before like going into a strategic meeting or maybe the first set of ears that the executives message uh, when they have key strategy or key changes to make. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like that. So the, the, the role of you're, you're the advisors. You're also our gut check. Uh, You're going to help us galvanize. Um, I think another role is as an executive team, we've made big decisions. We now need to, bring other people into these decisions. These are our get it done folks. Yeah. So, you know, these are going to be the leaders that will help us tackle some significant cross-functional projects, or they're going to be the, 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 the oil and the mechanisms to make sure that the cross-functional work happens more seamlessly because they were all in the room at the same time when they heard it announced. Like right. that's, that's another, you know, another key role of this group. Yeah. I think a third role is the role of subject matter experts. It becomes a pool mm-hmm. of people that the leadership team or executive team can draw from uh, when they have to advance a certain topic. So, it, you know, one client, we did this recently. Um, there was some pretty significant uh, go-to-market strategy work that they had to get done. And so they were able to pick two or three people to work with two or three executives to advance the go-to-market strategy. Uh, in another case, it was more of a operations engineering focused project. And so 
who are our SMEs? Well, we're, we're able to draw from this defined extended leadership group or extended leadership team uh, to advance projects. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, so we've given three options, you know, cascading this work down, the mastering of the four disciplines to create a healthy organization, the three groups outside of the executive team that we could that we could leverage would be the intact teams that report to the executives. Yep. People managers throughout the organization or key influencers. Yep. Yep. And it sounds like you have a preference. I probably have a preference. Which which of those groups, like how would you stack rank that work? Oh man. I'm not sure I do have a strong preference. I, I think, uh, I think what I see that happens most often is the, uh, is the, is the key influencer group because it's sort of the most versatile. Yeah. Um, but, but I think if I was going to roll out the four disciplines, I'd probably roll it out to intact teams, but yep. I'd probably do that once. Yep. If I was going to, if I was going to involve an extended leadership group of title and above, I would meet with that team twice a year on a regular cadence. If I was going to pull a key influencer group, I would be meeting with them all the time. Like they would have just like a regular <laughs> sort of informal cadence that was constantly surrounding the executive team, maybe in topical meetings. Like those are our subject matter experts we're bringing in. Um, yeah. It becomes almost like a leadership development group because those key influencers are probably the next to get promoted or to yeah. take on more responsibility. So I think maybe if you, you know, really push me, I would say that's my preference because it's the most versatile and, the, and it's, the, it's the one that can really help you scale by, by gaining more influence, you know, across the board. So, and again, you know, what, what's the problem we, we're trying to solve? The problem is, you know, to master the four disciplines, disciplines three and four mean that we are over communicating and reinforcing. We are, we need to build momentum to yeah. see transformation. And these are the people that are going to help you do it. And they often play a, a really important role in strategy formation. They certainly play a huge role in strategy execution. And maybe the, the one thing we haven't even talked about yet, which is worth mentioning, is this is probably the best training ground for future leaders. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. So I think that's great. You know, how do we get this down through the organization? How do we get more people involved in the organizational health transformation? It's with these three options. The intact teams that report to the executives, people managers throughout the organization, or key influencers that we see are positive influencers for for this work and positive influence and representation of what we're trying to do at the executive level. Yeah. All, All right. right. Awesome. That was fun. Yeah, it was. All right. Thanks, Keith. It was good seeing you. All right. Good talking with you about this. All right. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Org Health Advantage. Your hosts, Keith and James, are helping leaders change the world of work and invite you to share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. For more resources on building stronger teams and organizational health, check out tablegroup.com. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.